straight from WCHL Studios in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. It's the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show with Chris and C.L. Brown. Tonight's special guests, Clifton Brown, staff writer from BaltimoreRavens.com. Also, guest hosting duties carried by the right hook from the left coast, reporter Rich Hallstrom. Now listen here, don't get caught up dodging that left hook and forget about that truth from the South. Hunty, fighting queen of Paisley High, you heard? Believe that. Or don't, I don't write this stuff. It's sibling rivalry sports. And now, deep football thoughts with Chris Brown. Deep football thoughts. As I sit amongst the lilies, looking at the stars, the deep fan inside of me goes, Lamar Jackson was open. Why didn't you hit him in the flat, Flacco? (laughs) This has been Deep Thoughts with Chris Brown. See Rich! (laughs) Yes, Mr. Brown. (laughs) Rich! Rich! (laughs) Rich! Wait, 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 hold on. Uh, welcome to Simply Rivalry Sports, folks. We got C. Rich Ostrom in the house, uh, pinch hitting once again uh, for C.L. Brown, who is uh, uh, Benvenido a Miami. He's he's welcoming folks of Miami for the NABJ conference down there. So Rich is in the house with us. Rich, thank you for being here. But let me, let me just tell you, Rich, Rich, <laughs> during the show open like that, you're not supposed to like crack up at it. <laughs> In the middle of it, man. You're supposed to. It's supposed to be like a a totally different. You're you're out in Seattle cracking up. Actually, I'm not saying I'm complaining. You might be the only one who cracked up. But I'm just saying. When I heard that, I was like, oh, that's a different take on this. Football, 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 football. So what's on your mind, Rich? Football, football. Pigskin all the way. The the world has returned to normal. <laughs> Define as normal these days. Oh yeah, well, you know. Football season is upon us. It is. It is. It is. Good thing. It is a good thing because we all know it's hidden in the pages. But on the eighth <laughs> day, God created football. <laughs> Rich with some biblical liberty there. That's a that's a non-essential, Rich. So I'll, I'll give you liberty on that one. That's not not that I disagree, actually. But anyway, um, C. Rich H. Uh, longtime sports reporter, folks, um, coming from the Pacific Northwest, uh, has has been involved with the Seahawks, covered the Seahawks for you know a long time. Has had his own radio shows, has had his own segment on Seahawks TV shows. Uh, Rich is uh, as as we like to say on the the other show that Rich and I do together, um, hosted by Michelle Mendoza on um, KGNW Radio out there. It's called the uh, the Sports Round. Table, so check that out on Fridays. But as Michelle says, Rich is the twelfth man. <laughs> he is the twelfth man out there. 
Yes, August 1st, 1976, row 107, seat 101 and 102. Oh, nice. First trip to the kingdom. So nice. For Seahawk preseason game number one. So, so that is an accurate description, my friend. Those are darn good seats. Those were darn yes, good seats. Yes, they were. Nice. Yes, they were, and that was the uh, time and place when the kingdom actually wasn't falling apart. Yeah. Before ceiling tiles were falling out of that that place. But I mean the kingdom man, the kingdom definitely should not be remembered for that though, Rich. The kingdom should be remembered for the noise in the kingdom. That place was formidable and special. Oh, most definitely. Uh, Kenny easily made it made it a unique place. Steve Largent made it a unique place. Jim Zorn made it a unique place. All kinds of things happened in the kingdom. Uh, Seattle Supersonics uh, made some of the biggest NBA crowds of all time. Supersonics. Kingdom. You remember that so, Supersonic song? Fond memories, but uh, I'm glad that we have CenturyLink Field now. You remember that Supersonic song? Is that how it goes? Supersonic. You're close. You're close. <laughs> I'm close in that I'm in the same hemisphere, so I guess that's close. Rich, we better stop catching up and having a good old time and transfer the good time to the big playback. The big playback. The big playback for the day is uh, the NFL preseason, the state of the NFL preseason. The state of the NFL preseason, which is beginning here in a few minutes tonight, and hopefully you'll tune in after you hear from our guest, who is uh, you know literally at the pre the, the first game uh, for one of the teams. But uh, yeah, the state of the NFL preseason is going to stay the same. Are you going to watch? What is your take on it, Rich? You have the proverbial floor. Uh, my take on it is the sooner the NFL preseason gets cut in two better off football fans will be and uh, I love the preseason because it signals the right time of year um, but I don't like the practice I don't like the practice games I like to see the new guys but uh, it's not a real game so you got to get to the real games faster and you got to make it you got to make it worth people's while that's why uh, most teams don't sell the uh, preseason games as part of the regular season package. I know some do. Seahawks used to do that on a, a continuous basis, make you uh, buy the preseason games and the regular season games. But I think the NFL realizes the more we can put the real thing out there, the better off we're going to be. Agreed. I mean, you know, other sports leagues have many, 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 many games. In fact, I'm not even sure of whether um, you know Major League Soccer has an offseason. But anyway, uh, the NFL is, you know, it, it's short and super sweet, and I think people want more. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago when we had um, CF, perennial CFL All-Star and current AFLer um, Maurice Leggett on the show and talked about the 18 games that they play in the CFL and how they do that. And, you know, so as far as that goes, stretching it out 
I'm all for it, just more games that count. But I, I will say this, though. I have every intention and always have had every intention of watching the preseason games. Now, I used to have a formula of how to watch, Rich, the Chris Brown formula of how to watch preseason games because you could you could tell how well your team was doing if you watched with intent just a part of the game. The, re- the rest of the game are guys fighting for jobs, but it would increment as the weeks go on. So the first, year, the first week, it was like two drives that you could watch. The second week, first quarter. Third week, first half. And then the fourth week, you know, it, it, you could watch a whole game maybe defensively or something like that. But you really had to watch until the starters went out. But it's changed now. It's changed. You got players that want to sit out the entire preseason. They don't want to play any games, you know, uh, veteran players, um, legit players. You got, you know, just a different way of assessing talent. And we're going to ask our guest today about how how this particular, the one particular team, I'm trying to keep it a secret, Rich. I'm trying not to say anything as if we didn't say it up top and everything like that. Clifton Brown, he's going to, we're going to ask him how the Baltimore Ravens are going to do it this this uh, preseason with regards to play time for Lamar Jackson and key players like that. Rich, what about, you're out there in Seattle, what about the Seahawks? What kind of Playtime, do you think that that your quarterback, one of definitely top three quarterbacks in the league, if you ask me, Russell Wilson, what kind of playtime is he going to see, especially with his, his new wideout, Metcalf, that I'm sure he wants to gel with? Well, I think there's going to be two things that you're going to see. You're going to see the Seahawks try to keep Russell Wilson upright, uh, during the during the preseason, he's going to get some he's going to get some work in. You talked about uh, Metcalf, the connection, trying to grow it, grow that there. I don't think they're cons- I don't think they're concerned about that. I think what the Seahawks are concerned about more than the playtime of Russell Wilson in the preseason is all their young guys on defense. And you're going to see some young guys on uh, on defense. Uh, Cody Barton from the University of Utah, a linebacker, and Ben Burkirvin, one of the one of the other draft choices, have been doing really well in preseason practice. Safety Marquise Blair, another young guy on defense, uh, making some waves. So it's going to be all about the defense for Seattle in the preseason, trying to get back to the style that Pete Carroll likes to play and get the team up and running. They want to, once again, use the running game and feature Russell Wilson off of that running game. So they're going to try to protect him as much as they possibly can. Uh, probably see a couple of drives that first preseason game and then uh, more incrementally like you explained your formula. I think that's pretty much close to how the Seahawks are going to do the preseason with Russell Wilson. Uh, he knows what he's doing. And Russell has done some great things in the offseason, getting together with the whole offense and the wide receivers especially uh, yes. taking a few trips. So he will be ready to go at the start of the regular season. 
Okay, and so as far as the preseason is concerned, I mean, I do think a change is coming. I think with Roger Goodell initiating that thought right now, I think the the, the change is imminent. We are going to see 18 games. We're going to see a second bye week, which I don't like. But I do. I mean, not I'm not saying I don't like it with 18. I'm just saying I don't like it in general. But I do like the idea of two more games that count. So it'll be fun to see how all that works. And Rich now. What else is going to be fun to see in here is Clifton Brown, BaltimoreRavens.com staff writer, a very tenured writer, a man who is uh, uh, well-respected amongst pro football writers. He's right here with us on Sibling Rivalry Sports. So give our sponsors a listen and then come on back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. It is time for us to get into it with another great guest. Joining us today is a staff writer and a very tenured man about football, reporting the sport of football, reporting other sports. He has been around the block a number of times. He knows how it works in the good old NFL at all. It is Clifton Brown, staff reporter from BaltimoreRavens.com. Clifton, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. How's everybody today? Man, we're we're trying to make it, man. We're trying to make it, but we don't we don't. And and Rich Rich was saying how he misses. Sometimes they have to document that the sun exists out there in Seattle. Is that right, Rich? Yes, that's definitely that's definitely true. Uh, Clifton, you'll have to check that one out when you uh, hopefully come out on October twentieth uh, as the Seahawks take on the Ravens. Hopefully, the sun will be out. We'll have to maybe send out an APB if it is not, but uh, hopefully it will be. <laughs> At that time, yeah, I hope you know. My daughter actually lives in Portland, so I'm very familiar with the climate out there, and uh, I will be bringing an umbrella, so I'll be ready. <laughs> yes, nice, nice. So, so he'll be out there, Rich. You got to have him over for some steaks or something like that, man. Does that depend on how the game goes, Rich? Or some uh, Pike Place Market salmon. Maybe we'll make that work. Sounds good to me. Nice. So, uh, so Clifton, now, what what are you, what are your days and nights like, man? I mean, are you um, are you spending a lot of time, uh, you know, out out in the pra- on the practice fields around the team? Is that what it looks like for you right now? Oh yeah, no question. Uh, you know, they've been at it now for you know a couple of weeks. Uh, every day, you know, like most teams now, the Ravens practice at their own facility, have training camp there, but. They've had the fans out every day for practice. They had one practice down at the stadium last week. A lot of enthusiasm about this year's team, a lot of new faces. So, um, yeah, it's been, I think, a good training camp for them. So far, everyone's been healthy and obviously open the preseason schedule tomorrow night hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are up here for a couple of joint practices on Monday and Tuesday. So, yeah, Ravens definitely have a lot to be excited about I think this season and it's going to be an interesting run. 
Now, of course, the one that everyone is talking about is quarterback Lamar Jackson. If I pull back and just look at the scope of this offseason, he's had a lot of wins that he's stacked. He got together with the receivers and, you know, had his own workouts with them. He's come in and there, there are multiple uh, uh, reports about him doing very well, especially against uh, Saxonville. How, how has he looked from your perspective? Yeah, I think for the last uh, for the last ten days or so, Lamar Jackson's uh, throwing has taken a real leap forward. It's not only his throwing, but his fundamentals. Um, he's much more accurate uh, in practice over the last week than he was even during OTAs during the spring. And I think the fundamentals that he has been working on are are starting to really lock in. Uh, the question now, in my mind, is. When he gets into live game action, will those fundamentals hold up as well as they have held up on the practice field? But, you know, there's no question. He, he definitely looks really good throwing the football. Uh, he's done it day after day. And he's only 22 years old. So, you know, he wasn't a finished product or he's still not a finished product. Uh, and I think that you're starting to see the fruits of his hard work pay off. He's not a guy who you have to beg to get on the practice field. He works very hard. He loves the game. So, yeah, to me, that's one of the things that's been exciting from a Ravens perspective about this training camp is that Lamar Jackson is looking very good on a daily basis. So, now, Rich, let me get one more in there, and then then I'll let you go. Uh, Hey, Clifton, so as far as raw skills you know i'm i'm pretty good with lamar jackson i'm i'm excited to watch him the thing that brings me any kind of anxiety or trepidation is i have no idea what the offense is going to look like do you feel like you've gotten a decent picture or a snapshot even of what they're going to be doing with harbaugh saying things like we're we're going to rev- we're going to bring a revolution we're going to revolutionize the way people look at offense Wow. Like, what? what's going on? Yeah, pretty bold statement, right? Um, it is going to be interesting. The offense, to me, is going to be, you know, run heavy, but it's going to be a lot of different type of runs, I believe. A lot of different formations, uh, a lot of different ways that they're going to try to attack defenses on the ground and then using some play-action passes, some run, run pass options to hopefully spring some big plays off of their running game. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're four deep at running back, um, and they have Lamar Jackson. So there are a lot of ways they can hit you with the running game, both inside and out. But they've added some playmakers, and they feel that, you know, when teams get too prone to try and stop them at the point of attack running the football and the way Lamar can improvise, it's going to open up some opportunities for some big plays over the top. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a very different offense, I think, than uh, even where it looked, what it looked like last year. It's certainly very different from what most teams in the NFL do. And so the, the debate is going to continue about whether it can work or not, uh, whether Lamar can stay healthy or not, whether he can throw the football accurately enough to get some of those big plays. Those debates are going to continue until the regular season because the Ravens, to me, aren't going to unveil everything that they're trying to do until the real season starts. But I do believe they're going about the right way. They've gotten Lamar a lot more playmakers. They are going to use his ability as both a runner and a thrower. 
and they're tailoring, tailoring everything offensively around his talents. I think that is the right way to go. Right. Rich, what you got, buddy? We've talked, we've talked about Lamar Jackson being a focal point, but any team in the NFL, for them to have success, they're going to have to be good on defense, on the defensive side of the ball. How do the Ravens look that way coming into this season, and what's going to contribute on the defensive side so that the Ravens can have a successful season? Yeah, I think that's a good question because, yeah, as much as talk as there is about Lamar, uh, the Ravens had the league number one ranked defense last year, and they will have a lot of new faces on defense this year. I mean, they've lost some big personalities and longtime players like Terrell Suggs and C.J. Mosley and Eric Weddle. So this year's defense is going to look different. Uh, I think the key for them is going to be their secondary. I, they certainly have one of the deepest secondaries in the NFL, uh, deep at both corners and safety, and I think the addition of Earl Thomas uh, as a safety is going to help make this defense one that can create more turnovers than it has in the past. Uh, the Ravens, to me, are always going to be a team that is pretty good against the run, because that's just kind of what they do, and a big tenet of their defensive philosophy is to stop the run, and they've got two really good uh, defensive linemen in Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce, but to me, the biggest question is the pass rush. Uh, Will they have the same kind of pass rush that they've had in the past? And if they don't, uh, will they be able to, you know, manufacture enough pressure on quarterbacks, whether it be through blitzing or, or doing other things, to be the type of defense that they usually are? But, yeah, it's going to be a different-looking Ravens defense. Again, faster, but with a lot of new faces that, uh, you know, people necessarily may not be as familiar with as Suggs and C.J. Mosley and Eric Weddle, but they feel like they have enough defensive talent to still be one of the better defensive teams in the league. Yes. John Harbaugh, see anything, see this as a very pivotal season for his job? Well, he signed a new four-year deal in the offseason. So, you know, last year was the so-called hot seat year for him. And, you know, that, that was a turning point really for the Ravens franchise in a lot of ways last year when the team was four and five at the bye had lost three straight games uh and joe flacco was injured uh had suffered an injury in the previous loss so they entered that bad bye week and that's when they made the switch to lamar and uh the ravens went six and one down the stretch of the regular season last year made the playoffs uh for the first time in four years uh, john harbaugh received the contract extension so yeah, he's in, you know, he's in great shape. Uh, he's been here 11 years. Uh, to me, has always been one of the better coaches in the NFL mm -hmm. and continues to be. And now I think um, really wants to take this franchise with Lamar as a franchise quarterback in a different direction than, you know, what, what a lot of teams in the NFL are doing. So, yeah, I mean, one of the Ravens' strengths to me is that, you know, Harbaugh's team always to be play better in November and December mm -hmm. than they do early in the season. As the season progresses and he gets to see more of his own team and figures out what they do well, the Ravens tend to play to their strengths. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talk in the AFC North about the Cleveland Browns. The Steelers, I never discount them. 
I think the Bengals, you know, may have a, have a tough season mm-hmm. as far as, you know, going a new direction with a new coach. But, you know, you could make a case for the Ravens, the Steelers, or the Browns, in my opinion, to win the AFC North. So it's going to be very interesting. Well, you know what? Let's let's pull off on this on this exit right here. The Browns. Okay, so uh, so the Browns. So <laughs> Clifton, um, the the new coach Kitchens, Freddie Kitchens. There, there is a difference between. I've been Clifton. I've been I've been preaching this for months here on the show. Whenever I can, uh, there, there's a difference between him and Greg Williams, who ended the season successfully, kind of galvanized what they had going last year. Was just a he's a great strategic coach, and he's gone now. If you know he's been in it for a minute, he's been in the league. So if he had retired or stepped down I can understand but he didn't retain he moved over to another team so that that means that there was a little I don't know dissonance in who was going to lead it there Uh, meaning all I'm saying is they they did not feel like Greg Williams was going where they wanted to go they wanted to go with the kitchen's direction but my point is that I believe that Greg Williams was a big part of the success last year and I am wholly unconvinced that kitchens will just be able to just easily pick that up. He's an offensive mind. He is not a defensive mind. And I think everybody has the Browns as their paper champions. But, uh, and, and, you know, our guy uh, Baker Mayfield is dropping F bombs, yelling at his receivers and stuff. But I, I'm not convinced about him, Clifton. Do you, do you feel anywhere similar to that? Or? Well, the Browns are going to have to prove it. I mean, they definitely have a lot of talent. So, mm-hmm. uh, and the way they ended last season, would make you optimistic about their future, particularly with Mayfield as a quarterback. But yes, it is, uh, to me, it's a whole different atmosphere when you're expected to win. Uh, There's going to be pressure on the Browns this year, unlike previous seasons, because the expectations are higher. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they do have a lot of outspoken guys with Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham. And if, you know, things start to go sideways, will they be able to hold it together with Freddie Kitchens his first season as a head coach so you can make a case either way I mean that's, that's why they they play the games and I, I do feel that you know the perception is that maybe you know Kitchens might be you know in over his head but you know I, I think of other cases where you know a guy like Doug Peterson when he took the Eagles job nobody was jumping up and down thinking the Eagles have made a great hire and you know they end up winning the Super Bowl then mm-hmm. other guys you know, you think are going to do well, it doesn't work out. You never really know, to me, about an head coach until they get the job. True. Um, and then you find out whether they can handle all that comes with it or not. So, mm-hmm. Freddie Kitchens has something to prove this year. The Browns have something to prove this year. It's going to be very interesting to watch because they certainly are getting a ton of attention for a team that hasn't made the playoffs for over a decade. That's right. And and really to circle back to something else that you mentioned, we're just talking about coaches and everything, and you mentioned that Harbaugh, John, Coach John Harbaugh, is one of the best in the league. Um, Ed Reed, in his speech, his acceptance speech for the Pro Football Hall of Fame this past weekend, he mentioned Coach, and I was very, very uh, happy with the way that he referred to John Harbaugh. Actually, 
Clifton, Rich and I were at the Hall of Fame ceremonies last year with with our Thunder Sports Network outlet, and we were mainly there to cover Ray Lewis. And you know, I, I think that Ray m- mentioned Coach, but I think he just had so much going on that it wasn't like a real deep mention. And I felt like Ed Reed took a good pause to to thank Coach Harbaugh and to mention him, and that that really I thought went over well. Were, were you there at the ceremony? I'm sure you were. And and how did you know? What were your takeaways from that? Well, I mean, yeah, Ed Reed and uh, John Harbaugh had a uh, really um, interesting relationship uh, <laughs> during their time because you know John Harbaugh came here as a young coach, his first head coaching job. Mm-hmm. Much like, you know, Freddie Kitchens with a lot to prove and some really strong personalities in the locker room, particularly Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. So, like all coaches, John Harbaugh had a certain way, certain philosophies that he thought were important, certain ways, the Ravens' way of doing things. And Ed Reed and Ray Lewis, being future Hall of Fame players, had their own way of what they thought was best for the team. And those philosophies didn't always match so yeah there was definitely friction at times between John and Ed particularly early uh, in John's tenure here but they grew to mutually respect each other and mm-hmm. now you know Coach Arlo will tell you that you know they're great friends and they have their great relationship right now is better than it's ever been because they both accomplished what they wanted which was to win mm-hmm. um, John Harbaugh you know extremely competitive like all coaches wants to win Ed Reed, uh, for all his individual accolades, to me, truly cared more about winning than anything else. So mm-hmm. they were able to win a Super Bowl together and accomplish the ultimate goal. And so now, you know, when they look back on their time together, they do it with a, with a lot of fondness. Clifton, when we talk about coaches in the NFL, I'm going to bring it back to the head coaches once again in the comparison between John Harbaugh and Pete Carroll. I think they're a lot similar in the way that they do have their own set philosophy, as you just mentioned, and they do find a good way to communicate to play to players exactly what they want done. And I think John Harbaugh, to go back to your comments about strong personalities, he isn't afraid of strong personalities. He embraces those and uses those abilities of his players. And I think Pete Carroll may not have the strong personality type of John Harbaugh but he has a unique style also as a head coach. What are your thoughts on that? Two very unique well, I mean, guys. Yeah, and I think also part of the, the key to success of really any leader, uh, and in this case a head coach, is to have strong people around you. Uh-huh. Uh, John Harbaugh's had some you know, great assistant coaches, guys who have gone on to become head coaches. And certainly, yeah, he's not afraid to have strong personalities around him. So, uh, you know, guys like Rex Ryan and Chuck Pagano, uh, Marvin Lewis, there have been a lot of guys who have gone on to become head coaches off of John Staff. I think he's got, you know, two really good coordinators now in Wink Martindale on defense and Greg Roman mm-hmm. on offense. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he, he lets guys see themselves, wants their input. Um, and I think that's important for any head coach. There's just so many things the head coach has to do and he has to rely on his assistants a lot. And so when you talk about guys who've been in the league a long time for success, like Pete Carroll, you mentioned, uh, obviously Bill Belichick, you know, is at the top of the list, Sean Payton, 
those type of coaches, yeah, they do embrace having strong personalities around them, guys they can trust. The buck always stops with you as the head coach, but you've got to have help from, you know, your lieutenant who you trust to be on the same page and kind of give your message through them. Mm-hmm. So, Clifton, a lot, a lot of the final final question for you here. A lot of um, NFL fans are happy this Thursday night because, hey, a lot of games are kicking off, and the Ravens are kicking off here shortly uh, against the Jaguars. My question: We've been talking about just the state of preseason, the state of the NFL preseason, how it's going to change, maybe, or you know, is it, is it viable or what it looks like? So, it's kind of a two parter. First of all. What do you think Flacco used Joe Flacco used to not have large roles these recent seasons um, in preseason games so much uh, if any what how is it going to be different for for uh, Lamar Jackson do you think he's going to see more hey any any really relevant action these first couple weeks and then also do you have a comment on what preseason might be morphing into yeah, well, it's funny. We were just talking about the Lamar thing, uh, some of my work colleagues this morning, about how much he may play in the preseason. He's not going to play like a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll, I think he's definitely going to play more than Joe played the last few years because Lamar's only 22. This is his first year as the you know, franchise quarterback, and they're running a new offense. So mm-hmm. I think they want to get Lamar more reps than they would uh, Joe if he was still the guy. And they want those reps to be successful. So I think they'll play it by ear to an extent. But I think they want Lamar to have at least one good drive in, say, the first two or three preseason games. And once he does that, then, of course, maybe the last preseason game he doesn't play at all. But, yeah, I think you'll see him out here, out there a little bit more than if he were a five-year vet. And as far as the preseason is concerned, I mean, I do feel like we are headed to where – we're going to have a shorter preseason pretty soon. Uh, you know, the next collective bargaining agreement, I just have a feeling that, you know, there's so much sentiment on both sides that four games are too many. And, you know, the fans certainly, even fans who love football, aren't as into the preseason as they are the regular season. It, it's really, you know, people are ready for the real games. The preseason games it is a tough sell. So I think that, you know, you might see the the regular season lengthen, uh, and if that certainly happens, I think the give back on the other hand would be that the preseason would probably be short. All right. Well, it's going to be exciting to see the game tonight. I hope you enjoy covering it and everything, and I hope you have a great season covering the Ravens, and we would love to check back in with you, Clifton, uh, as time goes on. So thank you so much for joining us today, and please stay on the line because we want to check in with you on some other things. But thank you for joining us today, Clifton. Oh, thanks for having me. I'll talk to you guys down the road. All right. Clifton Brown, staff writer from BaltimoreRavens.com. Stay tuned to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back 
to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill, where we always chill. Chilling here with Searidge Hallstrom, the right hook from the left coast here, subbing in for C.O. Brown, who is the right hook down at South Beach. <laughs> I hope he's not having to use his right hook down there, Rich, at all. But uh Anyway, we are okay. So we're going into the college basketball segment right now. We got a college basketball topic that actually CL sent our way, and we're going to elaborate on. It's pretty interesting, and it's called the Rich Paul Rule. So, Rich Hall, tell us about Rich Paul. Okay, Chris, uh, let me give this uh, a really quick overview. The NCAA issued a memo on Monday to agents outlining new certification requirements to help them represent players testing the NBA draft waters. And the memo was obtained by ESPN. And the requirements go as follows. The new criteria for agents includes a bachelor's degree, National Basketball Players Association certification for at least three consecutive years, professional liability insurance, and completion of an in-person exam at the NCAA offices in Indianapolis that would take place in November, more specifically November 6th, and that is the beginning of the college basketball season this year. And as you can imagine, imagine, some people without college degrees are going to be really affected by this, including one Rich Paul, who is one of the right-hand men for LeBron James and his clutch sports group and LeBron was not very happy about this and says no way in a few tweets That's right. on Monday that this is going to happen and he said that the NCAA was running scared and uh, trying to control things and I gotta say that uh, there are a lot of people without college degrees that are doing a lot of intelligent things so I think this is the NCAA getting into some waters that they don't need to get into and I know what they're trying to do, but I think they're creating more red tape as it goes. Thank you, Rich. Yeah, you know, so, Rich, it's like um, some insight that I got from serving at a homeless shelter some years back. Um, some insight that I got. There, there was the original homelessness, and then there is... You know, 2019 homelessness or 2010s homelessness. Uh, the original, like, if you go back to maybe the Great Depression or what have you, people were truly at a lack for somewhere to work. They were at a lack for the means to live. They, they're just honest people could not find anything. That that was what's going on then. Now, it is unfortunately related to drugs and alcohol and burning bridges it's it's homelessness that one uh, 99% of it that i observed is homelessness that is brought upon oneself unfortunately and because of the burning of bridges and addiction so i would say the same thing to maybe what you're talking about with people who have not had college degrees to, to do just great things because you know uh, yeah I definitely know folks like that who've done great things but back back in the day I think there were reasons uh, not to be able to get it but now I think there are a lot more many more outlets for college degrees and I I actually have to say Rich I, I agree with the NCAA because that's what they are all about education they are all about education so they don't want to 
devalue their own purpose. But they they do need to maybe grandfather legitimate agents in. Uh, like a Rich Paul. They need to grandfather guys like him, him in. Now, some people are saying that this is retaliation um, against Rich Paul, and that's all speculation. You know, so I, I don't know that he would be grandfathered in, but I'm just saying I, I like the flexibility of allowing players to seek out this part of their career and maybe turn, turn away from it and come back and play some more. But uh, I, I have to say, Rich, I like it. I like the idea of saying we want to value an education. So that's that's one way that we can, you know, have have people that uh, maybe we feel like will value what we're trying to do here. Yeah, I think that's the overall uh, tenor of what the NCAA was trying to do. That's right. One other point that I need to mention here, real quick, in the application uh, process, agents are also required when they sign this document to state that they will also participate willingly in any NCAA investigations, mm. even if it's not related to their certification. Mm. So if agents, certain agents are asked for information, as I understand it, they are supposed to cooperate with the NCAA. And I think that's where you might be getting some more of this rub and feedback uh, from agents and NBA uh, related people, um, the NBA mm. and the NCAA have not really learned how to work together or play nice together. <laughs> That's, That's right. Uh, probably an understatement. True, true. Well, we we know how to play nice, and we're going to do. Well, I don't know if we're going to do some more. We're going to bring the Brown out up in this next segment and see if we can play nice. See Rich Hallstrom here with Chris Brown on Sibling Rivalry Sports. Give our sponsors your best ear, and then come on back here on 97.9 The Hill. Mm, I got a plan. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. It's time for the brownout. The brownout. Many college football experts are predicting once again that Alabama and Clemson will fight for a national title. Is an Alabama versus Clemson national championship game inevitable? 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 No, that's like playoffs, playoffs. No, 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 not inevitable at all. Either team, not inevitable. I think Clemson, I think Clemson is looking stellar, okay? And their quarterback is young. I think they could do some things. I also think those Tarios could upset them. But I definitely think Alabama has been shown to be mere mortals. A lot of them are going to, a lot of people and teams are going to be coming for that head. I don't think Alabama makes it. What do you think, Rich? I have to agree with you right off the bat, Chris. SEC, too tough for Alabama to navigate all the way through. I think maybe even Auburn gets them in the rivalry game. Alabama doesn't make it. The value of running backs in the NFL has changed, according to front office personnel across the league. Dallas Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott has decided to hold out for a new contract. Is Zeke making a mistake? I... Don't know if Ezekiel Elliott is making a mistake. I, you know, well, you know what? I'm going to say yes. I, I do think he's making a mistake from the perspective of team chemistry, not disrupting the team, team reps. It's a, it's a delicate balance down there in Dallas. They're trying to win, and this is in the way. On the other hand, it is a business, and the running back position is undervalued. I think he is definitely not making a mistake for 
two points. Running back is undervalued, and Ezekiel thinks he deserves his money, and those are the only two things that count to him. So he's not making a mistake in his mind. A lot of NFL teams are now holding joint practices during training camp. Do you trust these practices? That is a good question, Rich. Do you trust these joint practices? Now, let's just look at you know the team I root for, my team, the Baltimore Ravens. I feel like the Ravens have had great camaraderie with teams in these practices. You know, the, the 49ers or the, the Jaguars now and the Eagles before. But if I go back and check the record, it seems like the Ravens have consistently lost to these teams. I think I need to check the record. But there was one loss that hurt me bad, and I was thinking, I don't trust those joint practices anymore. Anymore, Rich. Joint practices are one thing. Another practice where a guy can get hurt and take a cheap shot two things coaches don't like. Bad thing. (laughs) There are several rookie head coaches in the NFL this year. Can a first-year head coach win in the National Football League? Yeah, 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 Rich, because, you know, our our guest Clifton Brown said that he felt like you never know what can happen with a first-year coach. He was referring to Freddie Kitchens of the Browns, but I'm going to go on record, Rich, and say 100% no way. Can a first-year coach in the NFL run the table? In fact, it's never happened. A first-year coach has never won the Super Bowl, and neither has a rookie quarterback. It ain't happening this year, too. And, you know, I would even go further to say that I don't even think the Browns make the playoffs. Woo! First-year coaches don't do very well. Tom Landry was 0-11 with one tie with the Dallas Cowboys. First-year coaches are death to your playoff chances. No way does it run the table. Excellent. I mean, you know, the game, the way the game is is shaped up today, would, Tom Lynch, I think, would be a lot more successful. But, you know, I think if you have a transition from a very successful coach, we can't look past that. And a young first-year coach who's never done it, I just think a lot of people are overlooking it in some circumstances. And and so we'll see. It'll be fun to see. And, and it has been fun to see how C. Rich H. is going to swing that old right hook again from the left coast. Rich, thanks for coming in, pinch hitting once again and doing once again and doing an excellent job. Thank you, Rich. The right hook is always ready from the left coast. <laughs> I don't know if that's a threat or, you know, it's an assurance. It's one of those. It's both. <laughs> it's both, Rich. Excellent. Well, folks, on behalf of Rich Hostrom and, of course, C.L. Brown, this is Chris Brown saying thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back going full throttle very soon. So keep it locked here. Uh, Sibling Rivalry Sports, 97.9 The Hill. Have a good night.